I said, what you know about it? It's the stool, baby. Got the knees in plus. Young stool, baby. And the room a lot. Hello, hello. Welcome to the stew. My name is Jason Stewart. This is a food podcast. Andre Conaparo, say hello. Hello. We are hanging out here in sunny LA. It's hot as hell now. Almost 80 degrees. Feels good. Have you, have you had a good week? Fooding it up? Not a ton of food. It's been kind of a chill week on mm. the food front. Yeah, my, I hung out with my friend yesterday and he's like, hey man, I've been looking at your Instagram stories and you really need to change it up. For your Ooh. lunch. Uh, the bowl situation. My lunch bowl is becoming too monotonous, and I've and it sent me into a spiral. I appreciate his honesty, but I'm a little concerned. I need to I don't know what I'm gonna do about my healthy economical grain bowls with vegetables. I mean, I guess that's kind of where social media it's kind of <laughs> frustrating where it's like, yo, stay out of my lunch. Although, I mean, maybe social media is helping followers because they see what you do, but it's kind of like monotonous. But Stay also, out of my like, lunch. but also, like, how long has your how long would you say the last month every lunch has been a grain bowl? <laughs> last two weeks, two weeks, I would say that's fine. But no, but I, I I welcome that. I welcome that. I think that it's a it's a true thing, and as as we all know, variation is is the best thing for your body in terms of food that you're eating and exercise that you're doing. You know, they always say to mix things up. Don't just have the same thing every day. Don't just do the same workout every day. You have to confuse your bod, confuse your muscles. Sure, that's my biggest problem at the gym is that I've been the same workout for like a year. But it's like three different workouts, but still. See, you need the variation. Just like I can't keep eating these beautifully, perfectly crafted picturesque bowls full of roasted vegetables and stewed greens they'll bring a tear to your eye I, my bot is used to it i'm not cutting del taco out of my breakfast every day <laughs> every, hell no every day sure yeah, well man. the whole menu is 24 hours so i mean there's a lot of variety for breakfast at del the taco the whole menu is not 24 hours it's the not. breakfast menu is available or af- i meant after I'm, 11 p.m. i guess i meant like in the morning it's all there and the morning the only thing that is disappears that. is later in the day is the yeah, breakfast. I just mean breakfast. Yeah, because cause when I go to Del Taco, it's just like, sure, I'm hungry, but like I want a nice cup of coffee, and you can't get that at 2 in the morning. It's kind of a pain in the ass. You know? Have you ever had coffee from there? All the time. I've never had coffee from Del Taco. <laughs> I can't tell if... Uh, <laughs> I, didn't, I just found out that they had coffee at Del Taco about 30 seconds ago. <laughs> every, every fast food place has coffee. I'm sure, I'm sure. Um, I had a friend tell me that they legit love McCafe coffee, and I just don't believe it. No, that's a, many people love McCafe coffee. Yeah, it's weird to say McCafe. McCafe. I was just listening to a podcast where they were talking about that. Where oh, they were talking about Subway sandwiches. Oh no, ever uh, about. <laughs> but there was like a, a thing that came out in the news where they dna tested the chicken from subway's like grilled chicken club combo mm-hmm. or whatever sure. and the dna test came back that it was 50% chicken in the in the grilled chicken like right not like the lunch meat slices no no no, no. i know what you're talking but about but just like the actual teriyaki chicken breast then it's like a formed t- like chicken thing mm. that's supposed to look like a breast that they slice yeah 50% sure. Soy, yeah, fifty percent chicken, incredible, and whatever that chicken is is un- probably the worst quality of chicken you could get. Sure, in America, sure. I feel like I I don't know I can't I can't blast people for McCafe if I once in a while like Dunkin' Donuts. Although I feel like McCafe is like Dunkin' Donuts is tighter. Yeah, that's that's true. But but, but I don't know. But what they were saying about that is. It, it you're not eating that version of it like mick cafe isn't coffee is it's not coffee got it's it. mick cafe no, 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 and a subway sure. sandwich is not a sandwich it's a subway right and a big mac is not a burger it's a big mac i think there's a very solid argument for that because of 
Yeah, I, I, I haven't really heard that conversation before, but just, just hearing the sketches of it, I'm absolutely in agreement. Mm-hmm. Or the other example they used was, uh, was Twinkies. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not a pastry, it's a Twinkie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And millions of people have Twinkies all the time. I would say, yeah, I mean, they're so processed and they've gone so far from any kind of actual ingredient that you can create yourself that they truly kind of become their own entity. Yeah, man. And I think that's a good, that's a good business model. Well, I mean, the problem is it's a good business model because it's all based around profit. And the only reason any of those things are the way they are and proprietary the way they are is because of there's a manufacturing process that makes a higher profit than something else. Mm-hmm. So it's completely dedicated by market and profit as opposed to like what makes the best Twinkie. True. But although that's not but fair also, because but, I've heard like they do there is a huge like quality testing of the consistency of the taste of it and the and the texture of it because now, once they get it to a place where it's a high profit, it also has to taste the same. It's like, mm-hmm. what was it in, in the UK when Cadbury or Hershey's or Nestle decided oh, yeah, to change changed their the formula, formula and mm-hmm. people lost their shit? I mm-hmm. mean, like, look, it's a low-quality chocolate. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> they've got it to a point where, you know, you can't really fuck with it too much. Like, you can't... Mm-hmm. Once you've had it established and it's been there, you can't really. Fr- you have to introduce a new product. You can't change the the old guard. Yeah, you can't. You can't replace David Schwimmer in season eight of Friends <laughs> and expect <laughs> not to not all. get some letters. No way, not a chance. Same same kind of vibe. But yeah, I mean, I, the opposite. I'm sure they will tell you at Hostess is that like we strive for the best quality product. But mm-hmm. no, it's completely dictated by profit margins and manufacturing. And yeah, systems and shelf stability because mm-hmm. you know the world of pastry. A croissant after six hours after it sure. comes out of the oven, most people would say is garbage. It's, I it's wonder, dead I mean, on arrival. I, I know that there's been many jokes made about the cockroaches and Twinkies being the only thing surviving like a holocaust, a nuclear holocaust. Mm-hmm. But I really wonder what's the oldest Twinkie that's been eaten by someone mm. in like a study done like this. I've saved this for 50 years. I ate it and it was still good and I didn't die. Because there has to be at some point, there has to be a, a degradation of just the plastic alone. I mean, I just, I'm very curious if there's ever been a contest or like a documented Guinness Book of World Records <laughs> oldest Twinkie eaten. Well, the, the, the Twinkie eaten. I'd have to do some more research on it, but if you Google world's oldest Twinkie, there's a bunch of images of a beautiful, nice wooden box with a glass case, and the Twinkie sits inside of it. It, it looks partially... It does uh, not look new. It doesn't look new. But it also has no mold on it. It has no mold on it. It still has its shape. It's It's lost color a little bit, but also this Twinkie... Is was made in 1976, 41 years old. I actually was surprised it's that new, but I don't know when they came out. I was expecting it to hit me with like a 1937 or something like that. And I'm, but I don't even know if the manufacturing process was even capable yeah. of making a Twinkie. But I'm curious. I mean, this is the but this is this is an this is a Twinkie that's not still in the package. It's out of the that's package. True. Good point. And it's just sitting in a in a glass box that doesn't look like it's like. Sealed off. Um, I'm always curious about that stuff. I mean, I've got a few things, I guess, that I like that I wouldn't expect anybody else to. Already said Dunkin' Donuts coffee once in a while. Like a crunch tata, I love from Del Taco, but I don't expect anybody to like it too. I don't think it's bad though. Sure. But like, I don't know anybody who likes Twinkies. (laughs) I mean, there's certain things that are that are ubiquitous that I don't know anyone who's got like a Twinkie thing. Like I know, (laughs) got um, a Twinkie thing. Yeah, like uh, <laughs> yeah, like you never like on a road trip and you're right. like, yo, I'm gonna grab some Cheetos. Whoa, bad! Uh, ah, it's on a road trip. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yo, I'm gonna get like a ooh, like I'm gonna get like a soda and some Doritos. Just to be like a total bad girl, and no one's ever gonna be like, I'm no, gonna but get, I'm gonna get three Twinkies and just munch on that. Like, what the? F- what's need, wrong with you? A, the needle would go. No. Good friend of the pod, Bob Zamudio, rides for Takis Chili Lime very hard. They're great. They're mm-hmm. like a Dorito. They're fantastic. I mean, they're junk food and doesn't <clears> eat them all the time, but like. Sure. 
There's so many things I get, and I feel like there's a whole other category that I don't. And Twinkies kind of like, like Ding Dongs, Twinkies, they really kind of like jump to the front of who eats those still? Or the uh, those it's, those fried fruit pies that are in yeah. the wax paper that cost totally. thirty nine cents. Oh, I was so obsessed with those when I was a kid because I never had one. I, I had was one so when obsessed I was, with those when, when I was, I was a nine kid too. and never like I got one at nine and I was like, oh, I guess it just kind of tastes. I don't know what this is. It tastes pretty good. It's all right. Um, but I, I mean, I think I mean, is it having anything to do with like marketing that we don't see anymore, like Saturday morning cartoons or comic books or whatever, the, or online? Yeah, apps that kids, kids play, like, because is it all just like kids hounding their parents to buy them, or like sneaking at, like, you know, like kids in junior high, like going to the gas station and buying junk food? I remember that being a thing. Yeah, but it's so weird because like, Do they just get Uber Eats to deliver them Twinkies at school during recess. Now is that how that works? It could be, but but it's like for you, like you grew up in like Northern California. Your parents are like healthy. Mm-hmm intelligent liberal minded people but you said you grew up and you would see kids eating twinkies all the time yeah well i mean but you not, not were, all the time but yeah but yeah, like yeah. it was yeah, but and like, i did too i grew like, up saw it. yeah i grew up in a in southern california i wouldn't say i wasn't the only person not eating twinkies but right. yeah i was like yeah plenty it was not uncommon but i don't like i'd see them some kids some people at lunch when i was a kid would have a twinkie in their bag yeah and i'd be like who what unicorn did you catch to get that in your lunch but when I don't know the last time I saw somebody eat a Twinkie. <laughs> what leprechaun did you free from a bear trap to get that hostess fruit pie in your lunch? Are you kidding me right now? Your mom just gives you that at lunch mm-hmm. at school on a Tuesday? Who be eating them? And none none of our friends who have kids would ever. Could you ever imagine your friends who have kids giving them a damn Twinkie? Here's the thing. But also, we're- I can. I got a story, and this is how I had my first hostess fruit pie. Oh. Bob Sweeney's dad. Bob Sweeney. <laughs> Bob Sweeney was a kid. Um, that I think I was like in third or fourth grade, and he wasn't the most physically fit man. Um, and he kind of like was he a big, he, great big fat person. No, nah, no, nah, but he was a big boy. Um, and Husky. he um, he kind of like was just like like FSU, like whatever you want, like fuck shit up. Mm-hmm. There's so, no rules. So yeah, like we would get. I remember I hung out with him a few times, and I kind of wasn't really allowed to hang out with him anymore. But like, we would—he just pick us up after school if it was like his day to do that, and we'd go in the gas station get anything we want: pink snowballs, f- like f- Slurpees. There was not like there was so like Bob Sweeney. There was, was a small price point, like you couldn't spend more than six bucks, but there was no checking what you were getting. Right, right, it was right. Like right. snacks after school, like Doritos, Coke, fruit pie, and like w- anything. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, this is incredible. Ate it, was like, oh, this is great, and then felt horrible. Mm-hmm. And then one time, sleepover styles, I think he was supposed to come pick up Bob. And like he called from the bar, was like, hey, maybe the kid should have another sleepover night tonight. My parents were like, sure. But he's all, Andre's never allowed to hang out with you again. <laughs> <laughs> but but that's Bob Sweeney's dad. So it kind of makes you wonder, was he just really happy that he can make you kids so nope. happy nope. that... Not at all. For just five dollars, these kids will. You can make their day. Or is he making up for some lost time? Is he paying some reparations for some wrongs that he had done? I mean, I don't want to say that he was a divorced dad, but he was a divorced dad. <laughs> um, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think more so, it's just like he just didn't care. It was kind of like. He ate that kind of food too, and he wasn't gonna mm-hmm. tell his kid not to. And also, right. probably like we would have been like, "Come on, do it!" And he didn't. He just like just circumvented even hearing anything from us. He's like, "Yep, was not an issue." Yep, just go get it. If they would have sold you a pack of cigarettes, he wouldn't have even blinked at nope. it. I mean, I, think I got Kodiak <laughs> once instead of a Slurpee. But I mean, could you imagine if you were behind us? I mean, I guess it was like the '80s too. But like, if you were behind a kid in 2017, he had a Slurpee. And a Coke and a bag of Doritos and like ding dongs, mm-hmm. you would have been like, no, like citizens arrest. Like, I can't let you buy this child. Or like, at least the guy behind the counter would be like, I can't sell this to you. Citizens arrest. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at what point it's like, no, I can't. Like, you're going to lose a leg. Like, you know, <laughs> you can't like eat like this. Absolutely smell not. Smell the gout on you. Yeah. Well, Shout out to Bob Sweeney's dad. Bob Sweeney's dad. You're my hero. Hopefully, you're still with us. If you uh, are listening to this episode, Bob Sweeney's dad, 
Make sure you give us a nice rating and review on iTunes. <laughs> yeah. Don't sleep on that chart, Bob Sweeney's dead. Speaking of the uh, exact opposite of what we have just been talking about, I've been doing, uh, this week I've been doing a thing called intermediate fasting. Are you familiar with it? Is this the thing where Terry Crews doesn't eat till 2 p.m.? Yes, it is. God damn it. <laughs> Shout out to Terry Crews. Uh... I'm always I'm always interested in these things just to see just to just as an experiment as you may know. I know very well how interested you are in these things. Daddy loves to experiment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that sounds weird. <laughs> they stick around. Like you still oil pull. That was a thing for a while, but then it just stayed. I a pulled thing. today. There you go. I pulled, baby. Yeah, when we haven't even discussed coffee enemas. Sure. I wasn't going to. Um, we we can. Um. If this is the health and lifestyle section of this podcast, sure. Yeah, of course, of course. Um, but yeah, it's it's a thing where for out of the 24 hours of the day, you eat food for eight of those hours, mm-hmm. and then the other 16, you don't eat at all. So essentially fasting. Doesn't this go in the face of basically most the general consensus of nutrition and diet that basically you want to stay in a consistent place of um, eating of eating a number of small meals throughout the day yeah in the sense that you want to keep your um your metabolism going functioning your your eating foods that lend itself to that type of diet you know mm-hmm. do you eat five small meals a day <sighs> hell no not many people do i don't eat till like one o'clock i have coffee and usually like like a plant-based like fiber protein shake maybe maybe like a Egg white omelet. Um, so which one else? is it? You don't eat till one Sometimes o'clock, yogurt. or you have a smoothie and an egg white omelet. Well, I don't think two two or three spoons of yogurt and like a cup of coffee mm. is necessarily like mm. to me. That's not eating till one. I agree with that. But when you say two spoons of yogurt, it makes me wonder if you're really just having two spoons. Pretty much. Okay. So then you're pretty much already doing this intermediate fasting already. Yeah, but I don't. F- but I mean, if it, if I felt like I needed to eat, I would eat. Yeah, well, that that's kind of why I started doing it. It was fascinating. But I've never to liked me. breakfast anyway, so. Right. Um, that's why I've. That's why I've been started doing this because I don't. If if I was to eat five small meals a day and kind of plan it out like how you see people at the gym do it, and they bring like a little Tupperware with a thing of. Microwave broccoli and chicken chicken breasts, and you're just like, well, that's what I'm not. I'm not advocating for that either. But fair, I know. know But like, if you're if you're if you have a job and a life and kids and family, like the process of eating five small healthy meals a day is a lot of work. Yeah, but you bulletproof coffee for years. This is the same thing. Mm, I mean, yeah, and I mean it's different for some people, but for me, I I would I don't eat five small meals a day, and I also don't really get that hungry in the morning. Same. So because of that, I was like, maybe I'll give this thing a try. And I did some research, and a lot of people are super into it, and they think it's great, where if you don't eat anything, you eat you eat between 1 p.m. and 9 p.m. or whatever, or, mm-hmm. or 2 p.m. and 10, or 12 and 8, whatever it is, those eight hours. So then it takes about 12 hours after you eat to fully digest whatever's going on in there. So then you have those that 12 to 16 hours, those that four-hour t- chunk where you're just essentially li- like burning your stored fat I, if, if, if it, it's doing what it's supposed to be doing. This doesn't sound crazy to me, but it also sounds like it could dangerously run into like the Atkins world of like, well, <clears throat> I can eat whatever I want for eight hours. You're, just like, you're like, whoa, 100%. no, that's not it at all. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but I, sure. Well, there's that. And then the final element of it, which I think I've always had a problem with, is eating food late at night. Sure. Because of my like work, work schedule style, yeah. and like DJing until two in the morning and coming home and being on your feet. And all that stuff, and you just want to like, or like, you're hungry. You're either hungry or you're like buzzed and you want to have a munchie, Mm -hmm. or you're like adrenaline rush because you just DJed and you go home and then the world is asleep and you're just like, I'm not tired because I'm still kind of up. So I'm going to like 
you know, make a bowl of popcorn and watch a, a movie until I pass out, like things like that. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing that I've always had a problem with is like eating food late at night when I shouldn't be doing it. Or even if I try to eat something healthy late at night, you never want to eat anything that's in your house for some reason. So you're like, oh, I'll just go to a taco truck and get a, a grilled chicken burrito or something like that, but it's got a bunch of sodium. And even if you try to do it a healthy way, it's still just bleh, not good. So it's a good way of sort of... There's very few things you can eat late at night and fall asleep on that are even remotely okay. Most of them being steamed vegetables or cottage cheese, apparently. <laughs> but like... Who, like even just even just a tortilla and a burrito to like eat at two in the morning and fall mm-hmm. asleep on is not good, much less the filling. I know. I That's. Know. I mean, I think late unless night you're eating, doing, unless you're like doing some serious bodybuilding, where like that's the thing that like Terry Crews would say like, I'll eat at two and then I'll at ten o'clock I'll eat like a carb heavy meal like bread pasta things like that. Because I go to sleep and then I wake up at six in the morning, run for four miles, and then just do like deadlifts for two hours and like do like sure. a gnarly workout to where yeah. he's using that carbohydrate energy transferred into his workout. Yeah, runners do that, but it's usually not the night before. It's usually like morning of kind of thing. But yeah, and I'm not going to be doing a Terry Crews style workout. Yeah, I, I mean, it's just such a good point of knowing the, the source material being like, oh, it's for a mm-hmm. competitive bodybuilder as opposed to like right. Joe Computer Engineers. It's like, Terry Crews does it. <laughs> yeah, or like you see those Vice Munchies things where like a day in the life of a, a bodybuilder's diet. Yeah. And it's just like... Start every morning with 22 eggs. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, you do? Yeah. Yeah, there's that one. And then... The saddest one was like the ballet dancer's diet. Oh, sure. Or it was just like mist. They just missed their mouth for breakfast. They have <laughs> no, a water mister. It was, the, it was the least healthy thing I've ever seen where it's just like you have to count your calories so much that you're only eating processed foods and prepackaged foods because the calorie number is on there. So it's just like I wake up and have a Trader Joe's microwave thing and then... I come home and I have a Trader Joe's microwave thing, and then I eat one apple, and then uh, then I <laughs> write a letter to my period that I haven't seen in ten years. <laughs> Miss you. What's the point of living, bro? I I mean I just I'm always trying to find a workaround for wanting to eat all the food all the time and not be fat. I pictured you saying like they have like four almonds, <laughs> but I guess they need even more specific calorie count than that. I mean, sure, but also it's people. There's just there's some people like that who don't eat because they love to eat. They eat because they have to eat, and they're like, "I need the fuel for what I'm doing." Yeah, and I need the least amount of fuel physically possible, so I don't gain any weight. So I'm gonna burn two thousand calories today, and I need to eat seventeen hundred of them. Or I need to eat 1,200 calories or whatever it is because I have to weigh 85 pounds and I'm 5'11". Yeah, I really find myself eating a lot more. I mean, what happens is, so I haven't had that much exciting um, food adventures this week because I've been like exercising a bunch and kind of like taking it easy, which means I'm not going out. I'm not eating a lot of meals out, which means I'm probably eating two meals a day and dinner is like at 6.30 or 7 and I'm in bed by like nine thirty, ten, and getting up super early and starting the day early. That was whole so you're week. keeping you're keeping more grandma hours than my grandma does. Sure. Well, I mean, like if your grandma's working on her truck at like seven thirty in the morning and then finish re- then refinishing a wood table for lunch. Sure. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> but don't yeah. try to justify going to bed at nine thirty. <laughs> but it's great. I mean, like just. And what happens is I'll have like a light dinner super early, and it's almost like skipping dinner, and I feel great in the morning. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I mean, I would say what you're describing. So then, this if you're eating between one and eight, but you're just killing yourself because you're hungry and you're starving yourself till one. I think that's a really bad situation. But if you find yourself already leaning towards, oh, this is yeah, this is how I eat kind of anyways because mm-hmm. I'm gratified towards how my body feels better because of it. Yeah, makes sense. I don't. It doesn't seem that like radical to me although i know people that like the idea of not having eggs for breakfast or like a reasonable meal is Mm -hmm. they just can't fathom it yeah 
asinine to uh, like why where what it. are you doing we haven't had a waffle yet <clears throat> and like, that i'm and, not gonna have a waffle. <clears throat> and that kind of gets ingrained in you because every morning even though i was having a really nutrient rich smoothie every morning i wouldn't wake up and be like oh i'm starving i'm gonna have a smoothie and then i'm not gonna be hungry anymore i was never really that hungry in the morning right so like what if i i'm so now it's an, an experiment as to what if i still have that smoothie but i have it at have it for dinner instead or have it mm-hmm. between lunch and dinner or whatever it is we'll see what happens it's been going on for about a week and the first few days i felt like i was going to pass out um but that was only because i was kind of sick but now i feel great i feel <laughs> Nothing great to do with the fact that i started feeling sick the day i started what did you what's the term intermediate fasting. intermediate fasting mm-hmm uh, it was. I projectile vomited for three weeks. Now feeling really good. <laughs> no, the the sickness no, 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 was related no, 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 no. to the the change in temperature, where I often get a sinus I got infection. That. Yeah, I got that too. Yeah, I didn't get a sinus infection, but I feel like when the weather changed, I was like laid out for a couple of days, feeling weird. Mm-hmm. Feeling real weird. But thank God I have my intermediate fasting to knock my cold right out of my system. Baby. I just used caffeine, but I was like, why well, I feel weird? Same. I use caffeine as well, mm-hmm. in the rooter and the tutor. That brings us to our next segment. I mean, I've already dropped too many F-bombs. Do we really want to tackle the CAs? <laughs> we don't Keeping have... the overall content of this reasonable? I'm dying to hear, like, I'm dying to know about it, though. Are you, are you really? A little bit. Not really. You got questions for me? I wanted to make it sound exciting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, in, in other news... If you listen to my other podcast, Tall Tales, you heard me talk about it a bunch, so I won't do a full thing. But my Australian friend, James... At Yumiyeo, if you want to follow him on social media, he got me into the Australian pastime of doing a coffee-based enema, which sounds like an insane thing to do, and it is, and I've been doing it for a couple weeks now, and pretty cool. <laughs> it's an Australian thing? It's not a, I mean, it's it's a worldwide thing, but much, it much, to have its roots much in more common, I don't know if it's rooted in Australia, but it's considered a commonplace thing to do in Australia. Yeah. Whereas there's no, there's much more of a stigma here. But I've noticed also that it's so much, like because of that stigma, like everyone I ever tell about it is so apprehensive at first or so dismissive of the whole idea. Like, man, you're crazy. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Mm -hmm. You're a weirdo. So dumb. And then after 10 minutes of me telling them what, what it is everyone is instantly like fascinated by it and you know because everyone's always looking for a a cure-all for something well i think i mean i don't think it's crazy i just my question is because enemas and colonics are highly debatable about their health reasons right if you went on the internet and googled it you'd find as many people advocating Mm -hmm. as many people saying that it's like basically witch doctor science and you're flushing out a lot of good bacteria Mm -hmm. and probiotics that have like over the years have not only built up in your in the lining of your upper and lower intestine but also that they're very specific to your body and they're developed and cultured to you specifically like a sourdough mother starter? Sure, but also, you know, that's based around for better or for good, you know, kind of like your eating habits, your exercise habits, your allergies, you know, the way you individually process food. Like there's a lot of things going mm-hmm. on in your intestines that are very important. I mean, are you telling me that I'm a special snowflake? Yeah, for sure. Okay. But I don't know, but that's where it's like, this is not my department. I just know that it's a, mm-hmm. like, there's very, there's an equal amount of people on both sides of the fence. And, th- and those are those, those types of things are always so fascinating to me. Where sure. it's like, why haven't we been able to get a solid, like, solid fact on this? Like, why is it so polarizing 50 50 where some people love it, some people think it's a horrible idea? For something that's been around since the dawn of time, where like something like like vaping, for instance, oh god, very polarizing as well. Some people are saying it's right. it's no no harm for you at all. Some people are saying it's really bad for you, maybe worse. Yeah, but that makes sense because it's something that's only been around for a few years, and it takes a long time of studying and research, and the jury is still out, and you have to. You and know, this has been a practice for hundreds of years in different cultures all over the world, centuries. Mm-hmm. Centuries. Why? But and those are those are those things that are always so 
intriguing to me. It's just like why, why exactly? It, enough to at least make me want to try, unless unless it's expensive. Are you gonna start eating a coffee dipped string now? Just waiting to pass the entire string? Is that what's going on? Coffee dipped string. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'll try anything. Once. Talking, you, have, you know, a thousand year old practice that involves passing through your body. No, is that a thing? Mm-hmm. Really? Mm-hmm. You eat a string? Mm-hmm. I've never heard of this before. Oh yeah, sure. So you take a string and then you what? You dip it in something, or you just eat no, it? no. You just eat it and you kind of chew on it and you slowly let it pass through your body, and it just works its way down like yeah. a magician. Pretty much, like when you put something in your mouth and then you pull it out of your nose. Yes, like one of those weird parlor tricks, but, but through your body. No, I've never heard of that before. Any old string? Um, I don't know. And is there a benefit to this at all, other than it being a cool party trick? No, I mean, I think what it comes from, um, uh, some form of... Swallowing string cleanse. Oh, it's like a yoga thing. It's a yoga thing. I was going to say it comes from an Indian tradition. I wasn't. I don't know if it was mm. Hindi or if it was yogi or what. But <laughs> yeah, damn. So yeah, this is a thing where, or people will just, or or swallow cloth. I guess. Mm-hmm. Damn. And and then so it's part of the. There's a six cleansing. There's like six parts of this cleansing procedure mm-hmm. called the kriya. Mm-hmm. Like and one of them is like neti potting, mm. and then one of them is like a colon cleansing with uh, part of it's nutritional, I think, with no garlic, no onion, no stimulants. Whoa, the vasty colon cleanse. You use a thin, hollow bamboo tube inserted into the anus, and then squat or hoist into the lotus position over water, and perform a stomach churn. This procedure creates a vacuum in the abdominal cavity that naturally draws water into the rectum, which is subsequently pumped back out. You do a gravity bong with your own body. Sure. <laughs> That's advanced technique. Though. I wouldn't try this at home, everybody. No, I would never do that. Or That's the craziest thing I've ever also, heard. Also, they should mention not to do this in public places like a pond at a local park. Like, Don't try this in front of other people. That's they like won't the- know what you're doing. That's so weird that all of these all of these dumb like party tricks that you hear of the yogis have been doing it for centuries. So this is the this is the healthy version of firing like a a firecracker out of your bunghole. I was gonna say more of the jacuzzi jet. Oh sure. You know what I'm saying? I do. Listeners know what's going on. We probably should get Dan on the line for this. <laughs> get him on the get the get get an expert on the line. But yeah, I mean, on top of intermediate fasting and colon and and a coffee-based enema, you're feeling light in the shoes. Feeling good, feeling light. Quick on, on your feet. Yeah, I've been I've, I've been completing all my workouts at the gym very well. Mm-hmm. I've been sleeping well. My urge to drink alcohol has gone down. My urge to eat healthier has gone up. Yeah, but would you say your urge to drink alcohol has gone down because you've been drinking less alcohol? Because it's a perpetual cycle, right? What do you mean by that? If you have a drink the night before, you're more likely to have a drink the next night. But if you that's like, true. But if you like take a few days off, you're like, eh, I can skip another day. I can skip another day. Skip very another true. Day. Very true. And if you're eating healthy and doing that consciously already, you're kind of setting yourself up to do that in a good way. Yeah, all of it is true. Oh, you're so healthy. You're so healthy. This is the end of our food podcast. Yeah, by the way. <laughs> we don't we realize we don't like food anymore. This is a quinoa based podcast now. Um along those lines of healthy food, I've been soothing chicken breast as part instead of like kind of sauteing and it's been so great. <laughs> it's going back on my it's going not back, but up on my list of things that are actually better to sous vide, unlike steak. Mm. A little bit of time. A little bit, maybe a time few. with a p with a th. Yeah, 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 not a ti. Well, a little bit of time, some lemon slices, salt, pep, a little bit of olive oil. Mm-hmm. And it goes in for like an hour and a half at one forty-five, one forty. Mm-hmm. 
Bazinga. Just like, I mean, and then do a little sear in the pan. Just get a little crust on one side. Okay. Or not. Or totally don't have to. Totally not. don't have to, but if you want a little bit of that, a little bit of that brown. And then you can also do, I've done it with skin on, so it releases a little bit of fat and then made like a pan sauce out of the the drippings mm. or just put the drippings onto like whatever, if I'm eating on rice or whatever. But I would say it's probably the easiest and most tender, moist chicken, chicken breast like that I've ever had to keep in the fridge, you know, as a consistent, like it's either ground turkey or chicken breast or something is a protein that's always in the fridge. And that's even if you're using just like Trader Joe's frozen chicken breast guys. Yeah, I've been told that I haven't really tried. It. I've been doing it with fresh ones, but um, must be nice. It was nice. Shout out Farmer's Markets mm-hmm. and McCall's. But if you, I mean, if you can cook something frozen, all you need to do is add like a little bit of time to it. Like if it's, depending on how long time it is. T-I, not yeah, TH. And how thick it is. Like if you have, if you're doing a frozen pork, pork shoulder, I think like you probably need to tack a lot of time on. Sure. But if you're doing like a frozen chicken breast, I mean, I think you just do like an extra 10 minutes, 15 minutes. And, you know, if it's mm-hmm. cooking for an hour and a half, it's already thawed well before that anyway. So, mm-hmm. but I mean, that would I would experiment with since I haven't done frozen chicken breast, but it's just so easy to do like five at a time and they they hold up incredibly well in the fridge and there's great. Mm-hmm. I think the next thing you do is you need to do some experimentation with what else you put in there, man. Um. Yeah. I mean, even at that point, it doesn't. I mean, I just I've I've found so many things to really not impart that much flavor outside of like oh some a few aromatics and salt and pepper. And the rest mm-hmm. of it just seems to kind of like disappear and kind of, you know, I don't know. I find it a lot better to season afterwards mm-hmm. with a sauce or a dry rub and then sear as opposed to sous vide in it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, this also comes to, I was writing, I was thinking about this, like how much men, the art of restaurant menu writing in the sense that how many ingredients you often don't taste, don't see, and how much of it is really just to sell the item okay and i think it'll i think in a lot of instances it's oftentimes you don't get any of those notes it looks great on paper doesn't even detract from the dish the dish is fine but the way like the one up it's a chip, point but they add it to the menu in terms of well, whipping you into a frenzy it's when you swim good. in a certain circle your expectations of your food from like people in los angeles i think are different than other smaller cities in the country right Mm -hmm. there's equally good food and small restaurants all over but a culture like in los angeles or new york lends itself to you know a certain visual style and a certain way of describing and an ingredients list that's expected Mm -hmm. and i think yeah if there's going to be sliced radishes on this dish they have to be purple or black or candy cane or I think I just think it can't just be anything regular. It's got to be a purple carrot, not a regular carrot. Well, it's not even that. I think it's more so people they know they know their clients. The restaurants in Los Angeles. I mean, everybody knows their clients that are small businesses that have to. We're all make pussies, sure is what we're saying. No, it's less that. I think it's more <clears> like <throat> I think that's what I'm saying. People in Los Angeles. Okay, look, they do that palate test all the time. Um, on on or I've seen it on what's the most popular food competition show? Top Top Chef. Chef. They'll do they'll do a palate test with those guys and do thirty things. Oh, like from, a blind from, taste from ketchup test. to ground coriander, mm-hmm. and almost all of them will fail half of them. Mm-hmm. So to an extent, like how we see our palates, I think we want to know that we're eating things as opposed to actually eat them. So. Somewhere, say, in a small town in the Midwest, in a small bistro that somebody came out of a great pedigreed kitchen or didn't, but is making equally good food as most places in L.A., it could, it stand, the dish stands alone. It's like chicken breast over local greens. Mm-hmm. And you just eat it, and you're like, oh, my God, this is incredible. Suppose if you put chicken it's breast so over money. local greens in L.A., people would be like, I don't. And then they need to know what's in it to feel that it's a fancy uh. thing, whether they would even be called to describe it and know what's in it. Mm-hmm. I just think it's like it's just... Well, it's just a bunch like, of bullshit <laughs> is what I'm getting to. A lot of times I see things on the menu that I know I'm not tasting and it's totally fine. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that's not always the case, but it's just kind of, it's like, don't lie to me. 
or don't like don't put this out even though like it's an ingredient but i won't taste it or it's like mm-hmm. a thing it's just kind of like i think it's something that's been annoying me lately don't just put a nasturtium leaf on this because it looks cool and then have that on there and be like oh it may not even be on there or like it's only there ornamentally sure it, it doesn't offer any flavor to the dish or it detracts flavor from the dish and it's just there because you can be like ooh that's a weird i, I don't know what it is yeah it's like this uh, it's a very s- common simple minimalist aesthetic that also has to have a few like buzz ingredients in each dish as you look at the menu whether you know you're tasting them or not and it's kind of like all right fine do you think you ever fall victim to the that though oh i have to mm-hmm. <laughs> i mean of course <laughs> me too <laughs> equally but in, in the same way where you're kind of like you're you're a guilty participant where you're like, oh, that sounds great. And you're like, but it also sounds kind of like bullshit, but it sounds great. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't Kind know. of like uh, features on a car where you're like, ooh, don't need that. Like that, I, I think, have it. I think that's why people, I mean, I actually kind of like the concept of commissary when it first opened. And if people haven't been who are listening, it was Roy Choi's restaurant at the Line Hotel. And basically, the menu was pictures of ingredients. So if you ordered carrots, you didn't know what the carrots were. You could describe allergies, but it was like you weren't really supposed to ask what the dish was. You were supposed to order the parsnips or the carrots or the mm-hmm. steak or the chicken. And kind of way, in a way that like, I really liked and we're really gonna do the it. idea of going to a place that I trusted and just mm-hmm. being like, yeah, I want that ingredient, that ingredient, that ingredient. And it's kind of like I feel like I, I don't know. I don't. I like the idea of appreciating food on its very basic levels, and being like, "I'll have the chicken. Chicken's great. Mm-hmm. I'll have the the bone marrow. Bone marrow's great. I'll have you know just and not having to have it so sold to me in a way that like, oh, I'm not only gonna eat this, but now I know everything to post in my Instagram with every ingredient, so everyone mm. looking at it can now appreciate it, because they're not eating it, and they can... How well, do you look, spell look at these chokes, babe? Yeah, how do you... Uh. <laughs> so exactly. Love sunchokes. <laughs> yeah, and, and but, I, think, I think that is an awesome thing that is a, a brave attempt, because it's really hard to and do and they changed it and they changed it everybody <laughs> hated it and, and and on its face it's the most annoying la dining thing in the world i totally i think un- it's quite the I opposite understand. i think it's it's def- it's him defiantly going against every la thing where like you were saying like here's a bistro in the middle of iowa where like chicken with over braised greens eat it up it's good it's it's more i think it's more in tune with that logic yeah but I, th- but I, because LA already has those expectations, it's very Steve Martin LA stories to be like, you just mm-hmm. try like, oh, what's the restaurant like? You're like, well, you go there and you just like point to drawings of things, and they're just mm-hmm. like, oh Jesus, <laughs> which I get on its face. But I think then when you break down that concept and kind of argue for it a little bit, it, it, I mean, if you know the chef and you know where you're going and you like that, it's more. I think it's more fun to just be like, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, I don't know. To go back to your LA story analogy. It's a it's a great movie that has a shitty elevator pitch. What is uh, what would be the elevator pitch then? Well, I mean, guy like, finds God on a billboard. No, no, no. I'm not talking. I'm not saying that's a shitty movie. I'm saying, or I mean, I'm not saying good. I'm saying Commissary is a good movie with a bad elevator pitch. Right, right, right. Where okay, it's like the, the concept is good, and you're like, tell me what it is, and you're like, well, it's like, and then it's like. I'm going to go to... We're going to have pictures on a menu. <laughs> People are going to point to them. It's not something... And then, and then like, okay, cool. What is squirrel? I mean, or what is Korean barbecue? Oh, it's, we got grilled meats and you eat them with a bunch of pickles and drink beer. Sounds good. I get it. Green lit. Yeah, you got it. And that's tough. It's so hard. And it, it makes you... I, I commend him for trying. Yeah. I mean... It's Tastes like... better than pot, I'll tell you that. <laughs> oh, the restaurant, not the drug. <laughs> sure. I know you're talking about Korean restaurant at the bottom of the line hotel. Mm -hmm. Um, What was I going to (laughs) say? Yeah, and I mean, I, I, yeah, it's 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 a hard argument to make because I think you can't paint anything with a big brush of being like, oh, this place shouldn't put those ingredients, or that's annoying, or it's just kind of like it's just an overall thing that I don't know where it kind of ends, and I think we're getting in some ways removed from food and just more being told to be impressed with what we're eating Mm -hmm. 
Um, I just know, I mean, not to put anything, anyone or restaurants on blast, but it's like, there's so many places where I've gone and it's just like, it's so, it's packed, it's so busy and it's not good. And you look around and you're like, oh, I would be very surprised if any of these people cook here. And they all... Are you talking about Speranza? I'm talking about so many places. But it's just like where you're like, people are just told where to go and what to eat. And mm-hmm. they don't really kind of think about what they're eating or why really? it's good or... Very uh, unfortunate, it's, but it's weird to experience that with food because that's been going on with so many forms of art and media and culture sure. for so long. 100%. The, the, the majority of people have been listening to shitty music, watching shitty TV shows, watching Big Bang Theory and watching horrible movies and having horrible home decor and wearing horrible clothes. No. But not until recently... I mean, not until maybe the last 30 years has have people been eating shitty food because they believe against their own, not not because they like it, but because they think they should be liking it or something like that. How, like, how much, I mean... But we're blessed. To, so do you think, that do you, how I'm much blessed. impact or what do you think the significant impact is with social media and reality TV programming involving food? I think that had a big... I mean, is it 100% the reason why we find ourselves in this place? Because I, I think... Like, I don't think it's 100% because I think it was happening... I don't think the, it's 100% either. It was I'm happening... making that joke, but I'm like, the, the contributing factors of reality TV and social media posting is just like incredible. It was happening before social media, but social media increased it tenfold. 1,000%. But like it was happening, you know, like people were going... Like that scene in American Psycho where they where they go to the hottest... They go to Texarkana, and they can't get reservations at any of these restaurants, and they're so fancy. And then they go there, and nobody really likes the food or even understands the food. Right. But it's just like a status symbol thing. Sure. And that's been going on for a long time. But there was always like the, but the weird person who understood it in the corner, there's like one or two of them. But now there's like people before didn't feel as compelled to pretend like they knew what was going on. They'd be like, this is weird. What is this uh, sea urchin mousse? Uh, I don't know. It tastes kind of weird. But now people are kind of like, I think I get it. Like, yeah. it tastes like the ocean. And like, even if they don't get it, they're like really trying to participate in it more because of social media and all that stuff and be like, hey, it's not so much to be, but it's, it's art that you get to experience where like you go to LACMA and be like, did you see that Andy Warhol? And like, I saw it. It was cool. You're like, cool. What do you think about it? Ah, oh, man, love the colors. It was great. And then you're like, did you try the the uni caviar avocado toast at this place? And you're like, yeah, I did. What do you think about it? And then you have to. You can't just say it was good or it was bad Mm-mm. because then you you have to convey an answer that people are going to be like, oh, this guy knows what he's fucking talking about. Unless you're truly confident with your your palate and your knowledge where you're like you know anthony bourdain or david chang will be like did you try that dish and be like yeah it's good and they're gonna be like oh <laughs> yeah but i also don't know what i'm talking about myself but i feel like if anything you know it's a don't weird, doubt yourself it's a weird no nah, i mean i I'm, you're not a super taster I'm brilliant <laughs> um Oh wait, no, you, went, I mean, you went the other way. It's a weird. It's not mutually exclusive to have that trend encourage food and at the same time kind of distance us from what it is. I mean, it does both. It encourages um, chefs and home cooks to kind of get excited with different ingredients and explore. But it also, I think, it intimidates people from what really simple, amazing home cooking can be, as opposed to like, well, I can't replicate that, so I'm not going to cook at all. And I think, you know, the, try Blue Apron. Sure. <laughs> Uh-oh. You got what are you trying to tell me something? <laughs> no, no, no. And I yeah, I'm feeling so compelled to just only cook all of my meals lately. Same. And not go to restaurants. Unless it's Korean food. Unless it's Korean food. And I went to Western Doma Noodles Damn. a couple days ago. Our one of our fave spots in Koreatown, Western Doma Noodles. And I go there and get a noodle soup. I get a scallion pancake. I get some pan-fried dumplings. The squid. They endearingly spell dumplings with a B instead of a P. And 
something very fun happened to me this time that I went. Normally, you go there with you know a group of people. You have a bunch of food. You have some beers. You have some soju. There'll be some Korean businessmen who just played golf, smoking cigarettes. It takes two hours and it flies by. Mm-hmm. But then I went with one one friend and got um got like a one beer, one little bottle of soju, and. And the person I was with was like, oh, I'm not going to have any soju. And I was like, oh, shit, I'm not going to be able to finish this whole bottle of soju. And then I I had it, and I was like, what did I do with this? Like, You're gonna, Did you pour it in the food? No, I I took the bottle and put it in my inside jacket pocket because I was going to go visit a friend in Chinatown afterwards. Get a road pop. Have a, you know, have a little road pop. Don't want to waste the soju. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm about to go to a bar, so like alcohol bar, they already go hand in hand. And then, and it was busy, like the grandma matriarch running around. You need oh, a table she here. Some wild to go shit for your soju. Quite the opposite. Ooh, so we're all leaving. Got you in a headlock. She's she's saying, oh thank you. You know, I, I stand up and she she she's like, oh so tall, blah blah blah. We do this thing, and she was and she was hugging me. She's hugging me and she was patting me on the back, but she was just like patting me on the butt because I'm so tall and she's so small. And I was like, "Grandma's grandma keeps smacking my ass." And then, and then she's like, "Oh, where's the soju?" <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, uh, what? What are you talking about?" And she's like, "And I and I didn't even order soju from her. I ordered it from uh, the guy. So she didn't even. I didn't even order it from her. She just had like the Hawkeye on on my table." And then she this was like, incredible. and she's like, where's the soju? <laughs> it, was, it was like I got pulled over by the police and like, all right, where's, where's the, the soju round eye? Where, where's the gun? Where's the gun? We know you got the coke on you. Where is that? And, and I was like, all right, fine. I can't lie to her. And I'm like, oh, like I didn't finish it. So like I have it in my jacket and I, I showed it to her in kind of like a joking way, like, ha And she's like, no, 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 no. And, and, sh- and, and like, freaked out she was like no 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 no! don't you can't do that like trying to convey in korean broken english to me like can't do it illegal to take a bottle of alcohol outside right. the restaurant right which is true but i was hoping i'll just slide by and she she comes back hands me hands me a sharpie and she's like hey write your name on the bottle of soju <gasps> it's gonna live in the fridge and when you come home or when you come back, it's all you. And Tightest I'm, thing and ever. I'm like, oh, this is amazing. And, and but that's a thing that happens all the time. Like it was not a special thing for me. The whole top shelf, like the top two shelves of the refrigerator, are all soju bottles that people write their name on. And then I've always noticed it when you go to sushi restaurants, and if you get a really nice bottle of sake, and you don't finish it, like and when you, when I go to Hondaya, like the the nicest bottle they have, there's a little weird kind of hallway mantelpiece that have names written on all these you know three quarters consumed half consumed bottles of and then so when you come back the next time it's sitting there waiting for you crazy which i think is a a great restaurant tradition well it's like having your own cup hanging on the wall at the brewery it is but also like kind of makes you want but that only i feel like only the japanese are or or Korean, I mean, like, or have that like trusting, loyal, kind of like honor and code to uphold that. Sure. To where like, I feel like any of our friends, if they worked at a restaurant and there's like, well, oh, you know, they're like, we or like, oh, I got this restaurant and and like I bought a, a bought a bottle of Pappy one night and I didn't yeah, finish and we exactly. keep it up there like. The whole time in the back of my head, I'd be like, "These goddamn bus boys! I know they're going to take a nip off of that at the end of their shift, <laughs> or like, or like someone's going to be like, uh, you know, Jason hasn't been around a little for more a while. water in the bottle this time, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I don't feel like that's ever going to happen at any, right. at any of these places, mainly because the bottle of soju costs them a dollar ninety nine yeah. to purchase. I'm like, hey, you don't, you don't you have, have to, to do that. that. It's fine. You can fine. just take it. Yeah, yeah I'm not like, that hard up. Um, <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of things going on. I like there. saving a buck. I think it's but. so cool, but you, know, you can't do that with wine because it won't keep. Right. 
Um, liquor laws, I don't know if you can even buy a bottle of alcohol. I mean, I guess you can when you get bottle service. I don't know. Like, I mean, it, also people have different liquor laws and all mm-hmm. kinds of shit going on. So it's not like you can go to a whiskey bar and buy a bottle from them and then have it stored. Maybe you can. Yeah, but some... But we- just that idea, I think it's rad. I think it is too. And also, a good way to... If you're trying to figure out where to go eat for dinner, you're like, did oh. the whole restaurant stop and stare at you while she was losing it? No, 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 it no. Was, nothing like that. It wasn't that bad. Got it. But the next time, I'm like, oh, where should I go eat? I'll be like, oh, I got it. I got a bottle over here, at Western Doma. If I you want to, I got two thirds of a bottle of two ninety nine soju with my name literally on it. <laughs> you know, because uh, L A. baby, I think it's the only bottle in there that has my name, the name that has English written on English it, written and written on it. In Korean characters, and not a Korean character. That's a like, great end of the story because when you were saying she started to freak out, I was like, "Are you banned for life from Western Dome and Noodle? Can we not go there anymore?" I, I was mean, beaten about the head and chest with a broom. It would be the only place I would literally try to sneak in in disguise if I couldn't go back normally. <laughs> I would have an English accent and a mm-hmm. fake nose and a hat and the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the problem with being six nine is it's hard to uh, no, you sneak don't, in. You're not going to slide in. I'd have to go wheelchair. I love that place. <laughs> Uh, and that brings us to the best thing that we ate all week, Andre. I haven't gone out that much, so I'm going with my sous vide chicken breast technique because it's made my like my daily driver protein incredibly good. So just that sous vide chicken breast, and then you just eat it with another meal with some some grains and some grains, some veggies. Usually a salad and and roast vegetables. So like the so the farmers market or or like a you know what I usually have a lentil salad in the fridge so. Farmer's market, mm-hmm. you just get whatever's in the basket, lightly steam it for the week, you make the lentil salad, and then you've got you know chicken breast you're making fresh or reheating, but it's also basically have, if you can pull that off on a Sunday or a Monday, your fridge is looking good and healthy, and you're going to be happy having all that kind of prepped and ready to go. I want, I want to, to, I want to try this where you get the chicken breast, get like five of the chicken breasts, Hit it in the food processor and turn it into a mush. I don't. <laughs> Stick with me. That sounds like the future. Oh, oh, and you want to put it back in and make it like a good Subway form chicken breast patty that you can slice? Make your own damn boar's head lunch meat, baby. Oh, baby, you got, you got peoples. I got people coming. Oh, my friend's picking something up. Yeah, all right. Hold on one second. Yeah, sorry about that. Um, the best thing I ate... Was, I went to Philippe's French dip yesterday. You did. I You sent me the photo, and I was like, I thought I wrote Philippe's because I knew exactly where you were. And mm-hmm. then I, when I went back to the text, I was like, oh, it didn't send. I had like Philippe's written in a little thing. Mm-hmm. But it was like, I was like, there's nowhere else in L.A. that has not only pickled eggs, but that's the only plate they have in that whole place is that one mm-hmm. ubiquitous like brown paper plate that I've only seen at Philippe's, and it's mm-hmm. the only thing they have. There's mm-hmm. nothing else comes on anything <laughs> else except those plates. I know, Mac right? and cheese on that plate. Mm-hmm. French dip, dripping wet, just like so au jus, is just like soaking through that paper plate. <laughs> Love that place. <laughs> Slice of banana cream pie. Yeah, but I didn't, I thought they, I didn't realize they were open until nine. You, they're open until 10. They're open until 10? Okay. They're open until 10. So I've, I've, this is the first time I've ever had a Philippe's after dinner. dark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because when you go to Philippe's after dark, they have a nice selection of beers on tap. I think they always do, don't they? Yeah, but oh. I, I don't want to... I'm not going to have... Look, a, the amount of times that I've fallen in love with Philippe's just because there's like a table of three, like 60-plus dudes hanging out at 10.30 in the morning, all with Budweiser's mm-hmm. on the table, eating a French dip, and I'm yeah. just like... Those guys fought in the war. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is our greatest generation right there at that table. Yeah, I don't... But if you're in Chinatown... If sure. It's, Philippe's is a new pregame spot. You go I get a French it. dip. And they're you, like, they're, it's like it, you're not going to get gutted because they're not huge. They're so they're delicious. And Great. also, tater salad. I think it was the best potato salad I've ever had in my life. The, the coleslaw and the macaroni salad are great. I mean, uh, the, the potato salad and the macaroni salad are great. Coleslaw is not bad. Mm-hmm. All three are great. All three are great. But, but the, the potato salad and the macaroni salad kind of stand out. Potato salad b- blew my mind. Pig's feet, pickled eggs, whole menu. Mm-hmm. What, what sandwich did you get? Um, just a regular French dip on the French beef? roll. Beef, double dip. Swiss? No cheese. No cheese. Beef, double dip. Beef, double dip. Potato salad, pickled egg. Mm-hmm. Anything else? Beer? A couple of beers. It's like, what is the coleslaw? Like 80 cents? Yeah, Potato yeah. salad's like 70 cents, 80 cents. Mm-hmm. It's cheap. Gotta go back in time. It's, and, uh, you know, 
the sandwich is it's it's small, but it's just big enough to where you don't have to get two. Yeah, but it's also so good, and the bread's always perfect, especially on a double dip. It's like, come on. I think the next time I go, I'm going to get extra beef. Come on. Oh, maybe. extra meat? Yeah, extra meat. Sure. Or maybe I'll just do <coughs> beef and something else. Beef and pastrami. Sure. Whew. So, yeah, if you need a Chinatown pregame spot before you're hitting General Lee's Melody Lounge, whatever. You know, art, <laughs> art show. Oh, yeah, were you, were you art showing down there in Chinatown? Whatever it may be. Pregame at Philippe's, baby. TheStewPodcast.com is the website where all the episodes are at. If you like the show, please tell a friend. Thank you to our moms, Karen Shout and Jill. Out Jill. Um, yeah, I think we had a good podcast, but we should go recipe heavy next week, what do you say? Oh, I got. Oh, we might have a guest too, right? We do have a guest next week, and I have a new recipe that I'm testing out this weekend. Does it involve Vegemite? It does not involve Vegemite, but that one is in the back burner. <laughs> uh, with it, the whistle it involves Zenku chicken yes as an ingredient incredible see you guys next week bye bye